Welcome to Always Andersonville, the podcast. I'm Joelle. And I'm Heather. Today, we are joined by Jill Knobloch of Grapeseed Designs and Avil Cowork. Jill works to blend a company's voice, culture, and unique character to create a truly authentic representation of brand. She helps small to medium-sized businesses establish and grow their brand image through consistent, clean, and professional visual applications. She is also starting a new co-working space right here in Andersonville with Avil Cowork. Welcome, Jill. Hi, thanks for Hi. having me. Thanks for being here. How are you today? Great. Kind of a rainy day, but I'm excited about the fall weather. Us too. We busted out the sweaters and we're ready to just stick with them for a while. (laughs) I'm over the 89 degree days in October, so. For sure. (laughs) Ready to move on into fall. Let's get started a little bit. And if you could just tell us about yourself and your background. Uh, We heard you're originally from Colorado, correct? Yes. Well, I was actually born in Joliet, um, but I did grow up in Colorado, um, was there from age three up through the end of high school. Um, and then I bounced around a little bit. So I went to college in Rochester, New York, um, did a couple of study abroads in Italy and Germany, and then lived in Southern California for six years before moving here to Chicago in 2015. Wow, that's a lot of spots. Do you have a favorite that you lived? Oh, it's hard to top Colorado. I mean, I lived right at the base of Pikes Peak, and I definitely got spoiled as a kid. Oh, that's I am also from Colorado, but I did not live at the base of Pikes Peak. (laughs) Where in Colorado were you from? (laughs) The Littleton Centennial area. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But we did often go up to Fraser in Winter Park, but again, not the base of Pikes Peak, which sounds awesome. (laughs) I mean, it's still getting into the mountains. Yeah, for sure. So, Jill, you started Grapeseed Designs in 2011. Where did the name come from and how did you get started in the field? Yeah, so I went to college for graphic design specifically. Um, I have a BFA in graphic design. Um, And when I left school, um, it was right in the middle of the recession, 2009. So there wasn't a ton of hiring going on. And um, I just really liked being able to make my own schedule as a freelancer. Um, so within a couple of years, I established an official business with it, started Grapeseed Designs. Um, it's kind of a fun background to the name. Um, in college, I actually took some wine tasting classes. There was an awesome one called Wines of the World, which of course I signed up for. Um, and I just really love the idea of growing from something like a small, bitter, kind of very harsh grapeseed into a wide variety of things. Um, you know, you can grow them into grapes for Concord jelly to give your, to your, you know, two-year-old little nephew. Um, you can create like a, just a nice, cheap, accessible tubuk-chuk or apothic uh, wine. You can go up to hundreds of dollars on a bottle, or you can just use the vineyard as the backdrop for, you know, a beautiful wedding or event. So that all kind of comes back to the branding that, when you're starting out, you know, it's this this small thing that if you nurture it, you can grow it into literally whatever you want it to be. That's a great description. That's such a thoughtful way of explaining your name. And I don't know if everybody thinks about it that hard or has that great of a story. So that's really cool. Thank you. Branding um, people <clears throat> do. It's true. Branding people do, which uh, to quote your blog, you say, what is branding anyway? So... What is branding anyway? Yeah. So a lot of people, when they hear the word branding, they just think of a logo and a palette of colors. But it's really so much more than just the aesthetic of your brand. It's your entire voice, the way that you show up, your character within the world um, that represents your business. So 
I really focus on tying together both the visual and the written um, brand of your business. Um, coming in and figuring out what the culture is like within your company, whether it's just you or you and staff, you know, how you communicate on the day-to-day basis with your clients, and then making sure that that gets represented both in the graphics, you know, are you clean and polished or are you a lot more funky and, you know, down to earth, not that cleaned and polished isn't down to earth, um, and, you know, really making sure that your representation in the world is true to you. And do you have a favorite client story that you're able to share with us? A kind of branding A to Z of yeah. from then to now? Yeah. Um, one of my absolute favorite clients. Um, I really enjoy working with kind of niche industries. So folks that don't necessarily have a business that a lot of people understand right off the bat. And this one particular client, um, they maintain and install draft lines for bars and restaurants around the Chicago area. And a lot of people don't think about what it takes to make sure that the beer goes from the cooler to the tap and is clean and healthy and safe. And working with those guys, um, I was on site learning a ton about um, beer and you know what makes it um, better or worse and how to maintain it. And what their considerations are in installing new bars and their considerations in their methods of cleaning and getting to hang out at their warehouse and their shop with their their staff. And I went on a few of their runs to, again, you know, seeing how their culture reflects to their clientele and the group. It's just a bunch of nerdy guys. I mean, they're nerdy in the games they play. They're nerdy about their beer. They're nerdy about their tech. And that was one of the lines that wound up on their website. It's basically why hire us because we're nerds. And it's just, they were totally on board with all of it. You know, they wanted their voice to come through and they weren't too hung up about being excessively professional. They wanted to have a really truly authentic representation of them, both professionally and personally. You mentioned going on site and kind of learning hands-on like what they do. Um, Can you talk about your process about helping your clients in general and like what kind of services specifically that you provide? Absolutely. Um, Most of my clients come to me wanting a website um, and a lot of them don't really necessarily know what it is that they need. Um, Most people know that you have to be represented online so you need a website but most designers and developers, you know, they want you to come to them with what structure you want, what pages you want on your website. They want you to write out the content and the copy. Um, and then they just kind of cobble it all together and make sure that it looks pretty. Um, but they don't necessarily always tell the full story. So I really enjoy clients where I can have minimum three to six month engagement with them where we're really digging into the strategic positioning and the actual written content that goes onto their website. Um, And the first 80% of what we do is really working through the user experience on the website um, to really draw visitors through their story and really explain in a very comprehensive way what it is that they do. and so that's the first 80%, you know, the the last, the graphic design and the actual web development, which I do both. Um, I work independently. I don't have a staff. So I'm doing all the writing. I'm doing all the design. I'm doing all of the coding development. But that design and coding is the last 20%. It's just the polish. So 
I really love getting into the the deeper end on the front end of the project. So you're maybe a little nerdy. Oh, so nerdy. Absolutely. Yeah, I was going to ask. So if you focused on graphic design in school, is coding something you just had to sort of pick up along the way here? Or did you also have some sort of training in that? Because that is not an easy skill to master. Yeah. So with our degree, um, RIT is where I went to school. And they actually have a program there called New Media Design, which is mostly about developing games and game art and those sorts of things. Um, And they are a tech school. Um, so to get through the graphic design program, you did have to take a couple of coding classes. Um, and I come from a family of engineers, as you guys picked up, I'm a total nerd. Um, Mm -hmm. and I also have a really strong passion for languages. I actually even, uh, minored in German and Russian languages in college as well. So picking up coding languages and kind of pulling all of that together, it wound up being a really great way for me to blend sort of the artistic with the more engineering um, structural mindset. Um, so I did a lot of um, email campaigns. It started out. Um, emails got its own odd little quirks. It's like um, coding for the internet, but back in the 90s, um, it kind of hasn't updated. Um, but it was small projects that I could go in and handcraft and tweak and Um, I had a couple of clients that wanted full websites that I hand-coded from scratch. And um, so I've got the full capabilities of doing all of those things. These days, I'm usually building on a WordPress framework um, just because it makes it easier to maintain afterwards or for clients that want to, you know, manage their own website. It makes it really easy for them to, um, to take over afterwards. But I'm able to go in and really customize the code and really make sure that everything is exactly the way it's supposed to be. Joelle has a little bit of WordPress experience. Just the bare minimum. <laughs> yeah. I think I like can read code to the extent of, oh, that shouldn't be there. Yep. Or, oh, let's make a break here. Enough to get by. You know what? But- as long as you know what to delete and what not to delete. Right. I mean, that's a big step in the process. Yeah. Just a little bit. Um, we always joke because we use MailChimp. And sometimes, you know, you're like not supposed to dump content directly from another source into MailChimp <laughs> if you're not dumping it in the coded section. But um, sometimes we get these weird boxes. And of course, I'm like, mm-hmm. how is this happening? Contact MailChimp support. They're like, yeah, there's this weird line in your code that keeps showing up. Well, they make it super easy because they color code the error code. Yes. <laughs> yep. So we're like, there it is. And now yep. it's easier to I wonder to how find. long it took them to figure out that they needed to color code that. I know. How many Thankfully, thousands there's, of yeah. people called them? Yeah, yeah. There's some platforms that do really well with that. Um, color coding the code is pretty typical in code. Um, I'm not going to come up with the right word for it, but platforms designed for um, HTML coding. Um, but the ones that actually call out the specific line where there's an error, oh my gosh, you would not believe how many hours I've lost trying to find the period that's in the wrong place in a line of code so or in 100 lines of code. Well, that is all fascinating. Um, but I do want to learn about this new venture that you have started on, Jill. And I know it's been a long um, process and getting things going. Um, Avil Cowork, can you tell us a little bit about this? Um, what yeah. spurred the idea? How far along are you in the process of opening? Absolutely. Um, so with my design work, um, it was very much deliberately structured to be very flexible. Um, I've got kind of a complicated life outside of my big kid job. Um, so I wanted to maintain that flexibility and be able to travel and whatever else. Um, which means that it's a a remote job that is technically a work from home job. 
um, when I'm not on site with a new client, I, I can work from anywhere. Um, but like many folks who are work from home, I dealt with, you know, isolationism and struggling to connect with the community and, you know, the distractions that just happen to be at home. You know, there's a sink full of dishes and there's laundry to be done and the dog's barking and whatever else. Um, so I really got involved with co-working a few years ago. A um, couple days a week, just get out of the house once or twice. And as I've transitioned from apartment to apartment, as we do in Chicago, um, the home office space has kind of come and gone. So co-working is an industry that has really blown up in the last roughly decade. Um, and for those who aren't familiar with it, it's kind of a 90s internet cafe meets month-to-month office rentals. Mm-hmm. So most co-working spaces will have um, physical offices with a door that you can rent month-to-month. Or um, the really popular thing is just desk rentals. And you can either rent a dedicated desk and bring in all of your own equipment and you basically just have your own space, whether it's monitors or a tower or, you know, pictures of your kids. It's your space. Um, And then the other side of that is what is generally referred to as a flex desk, where you basically bring in a laptop and sit at a desk for the day. And you can rent for a day. You can have a membership that gives you, you know, eight visits a month, unlimited access. Um, There's a lot of different ways to structure it. But while the industry is absolutely exploding nationwide and especially in the cities and anybody who's familiar with downtown or the loop, it's you can't throw a rock and not hit a co-working space down there. But here on the north side, there's a real deficit um, for co-working spaces. So we've got a couple of really great ones up here, but they're very, very small and they're usually completely booked up or um, a lot of them are event spaces that have kind of opened up for co-working here and there. And it's just not necessarily ideal or they're difficult to get to or, you know, whatever else. There's just the need up here is not served. So um, I had a day last summer, so a little bit over a year ago, where I was just over the commute. You know, half the point of co-working is that you don't have to have a commute, right? That's why people work from home. Um, And I was just done with the commute. And so I was like, okay, are there commercial spaces up on the north side? And um, I've been very specific about Andersonville. Um, I've had people approach me with spaces in Lincoln Park or Edgewater or Rogers Park and, you know, kind of this, well, if you want to open a co-working space, this would be a great spot. And truth be told, I want to open a co-working space in Andersonville. Um, I moved to the Andersonville area a little over a year ago, and this community is just absolutely incredible. And I want to be able to serve and connect with this community. So yeah, for the last 14, 15 months, I've been looking for the right space. um, And couple of spaces have come and gone, but there's one that I am absolutely in love with right now. It's um, it's monstrous, truth be told, um, which is awesome, about 9,000 square feet. And it would serve very well as a combination co-working space and event space. So I'm super excited to um, kind of get the community together. We've done a few meetups here and there, just um, connecting with each other and getting folks out of the house and face-to-face and whatnot. Um, but right now in the process, I'm trying to make sure with, uh, city zoning and permitting and making sure that I can get all the licenses, licenses, um, lined up so that I can go ahead and secure the lease and 
start getting rolling with it. So there's still a number of hurdles um, to get through, um, but I'm, I'm really excited about this location. That's really exciting. I was going to say, are you just itching to start like designing the space? Do you have concepts in your brain? Oh, oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. I think the images came long before the actual space did. Although I'll be honest, this particular space, um, it's got massive ceilings and a huge skylight. So the whole concept is actually Avil co-work at the atrium. And the whole kind of shtick for it is basically I want it to just be filled with plants. Um, Any of the room dividers are going to be like moving plant walls and just having this feeling of working outdoors, even in the middle of the Chicago winter. So we just did a podcast with Winifred Gundak of Winifred Grace, and she used to have moving walls in her other space. So yeah, I actually should, listened to her episode. Okay. Today. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. should pick her brain a little bit about that. It. Um, And David is our coworker. He's the plant whisperer so david as is i'm sure you're aware but oh yeah absolutely. our office, our office like is a jungle half the time <laughs> yes yep. and he is definitely when he heard me talking about plant walls he was like well if you need any help let me know yeah, yeah. of so, course yeah yeah well great we'll all stay tuned um what is the best way for folks who want to learn about the co-working specifically to sure. um reach out i know you mentioned a meetup is that on your instagram so um i have an instagram um it's at avil dot co-work so a-v-i-l-l-e dot co-work um there's also a facebook group um just take the period out of it and that's the handle for facebook um and there's also an interest form on avilcowork.com um still working on building out the full informational website um but there is you can put in your email address and your name and just let me know what sort of space you're interested in and you'll get added to a newsletter um to get updates about events and you know what's going on with the business this is always andersonville the podcast i'm laura and i'm joelle this episode is brought to you by meeting house tavern located at clark and winnemac where you can enjoy free pool darts skee-ball and more or play one of the dozens of board games they have daily and everyday specials to quench all thirsts plus thursday night karaoke and the sunday social variety show never a cover Find out more at meetinghousetavern.com or on Facebook. Joelle, how do you become a sponsor? Well, Laura, any of our chamber member businesses or a business considering becoming a member can email us directly for sponsorship information at info at andersonville.org. We offer sponsorship for both one episode or four episodes in a row. We're always looking for new sponsors, and we also encourage listener feedback. So if you have a guest you'd like to see on the show, please email us at info at andersonville.org. You can also email us with questions, comments, or general neighborhood inquiries. We look forward to hearing from you. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and share Always Andersonville, the podcast on iTunes feel like we've touched a lot on like professionally what you've got going on and what you offer and new things coming up so let's talk a little bit about fun fun stuff like well extra fun things I guess um we've read that you have a love of horses can you tell us more about that and your volunteer work at therapeutic riding centers yeah well so I grew up in Colorado so there was definitely a lot more open space um I was in Colorado Springs so I was still in a city I wasn't in you know the rural area of the state Um, but my mom jokes, she doesn't joke. She loves to tell the story 
about how on my sixth birthday, I started counting down the days to my seventh birthday when I was allowed to start taking lessons at our local barn. So um, I started there as soon as I could. And it was, I mean, love before first lesson, obviously. Um, And I grew up with the Western discipline. Um, I've done some English and dressage since then, but um, I've really enjoyed like gymkhana events, like pole bending, barrel racing, um, got in a little bit with stock events. And then in high school, um, was part of the National Honor Society and, you know, they have volunteer requirements. I hate calling them requirements because I, I was very passionate about the things that I was able to find and I did well more than the minimums. I just, I wanted to be involved. And, um, a friend found a therapeutic horseback riding center in the area in Black Forest. And at the age of 14, we were both too young to do, um, to work with the writers directly just because our, our bodies were physically small and it's a, a very physically demanding job to keep a, a disabled rider on top of a horse. Um, but we volunteered there helping out with stable work and working with the horses for a couple of years until we were old enough to interact with the actual students. Um, so I worked with that center for four years all through high school. And then when I went to college, um, I was part of the equestrian club at RIT and we competed um, I believe it's the IHSA. I might be getting that acronym wrong, but um, competed interscholastically. And then our club was also associated with another therapeutic writing center there in Rochester. And then when I moved to Southern California, um, one of the biggest centers in the country and absolutely one of the best funded centers is in Southern Orange County. And I found them and got involved with them and they're just phenomenally structured. I learned so much. I loved being at their barn and being involved. And um, they actually sponsored me as a volunteer to pursue instructor training. Um, And I probably got about 80-90% of the way through that before moving again far enough away from the center that um, I couldn't be involved with them anymore. Um, But there was another, you know, nearby one in Huntington Beach that um, I volunteered with for a couple of years and kind of helped with their program. And Then moving here to Chicago, it took me a few years to get connected again, but I actually just started this summer with Freedom Woods up in Skokie, and it's really nice to be back with the horses again. We also read that you worked as a hockey referee and play hockey yourself. Mm -hmm. I think you're the first out referee and hockey player we've had on the podcast. I don't know if anyone else has that hidden talent. Um, How long have you been playing? Yeah. Um, so I actually started playing hockey even before I started riding horses. Um, I was five years old. I have a brother who's just shy of a year and a half older than me. So he was a year ahead of me in school. And he, out of the blue, decided that he wanted to play hockey. And I sat in the stands and watched it for a year and thought it looked like fun. And my parents were like, eh, I don't think, I, I don't know that you're really going to like that, but we'll suit you up in your brother's gear and put you out in this camp right there. Um, and see what you think of it. And I was just madly in love with it um, from the very beginning. And so we wound up being one of the big hockey families out there in Colorado Springs. And my brother played and I played and my dad coached. And um, we got to a point where we all kind of needed to take a break from hockey and we all kind of stepped away. And my brother found other sports, Um, but I didn't really. So when it became a school sport, I got back into it. When my brother became a freshman in high school, he and my dad started refereeing. Um, Honestly, I still don't even know what got them into it. But of course, (laughs) once I hit that age, you know, my dad took me to a seminar and signed me up. And 
My brother used to give me a hard time that I clearly couldn't do anything without him doing it first. But I jab back at him and I'm like, yeah, but look at who's still doing it 19 years later. And um, I've had some great opportunities with that too. I've worked in, I worked all through high school in Colorado, um, continued through college in Rochester. And let me tell you, it's one of the best jobs that you can have in college. Super flexible. You're going to make a lot more money than you would in any other college job. Um, and you can change your schedule as you need to. And um, I actually started officiating at the collegiate and national level while I was in college in Rochester. Um, and that was that was really exciting. They kind of the thing that they don't really tell you, especially as a female official, is they're going to like kind of like hold back and let you play as long as you're going to play. But as soon as they get wind that you're done playing, you get fast tracked, especially as a female official. So um, I moved up within a couple of years in Southern California, I uh, got my international license as a referee. Um, 2011, a lot of things happened. Um, <laughs> that was the Sounds year that like I it, right? <laughs> that's the year that I got my license, and that was the year that I officially started Grapeseed Designs. And some other personal family stuff went down, so I had an international license as a referee for six years. Um, got to work abroad. I did a tournament in Mexico, of all places. Um, and yeah, I've had some some health issues that kind of pulled me off the international circuit a couple of years ago, but now I focus on collegiate hockey. Um, I work mostly with a Division III NCAA league, um, mostly focused in Wisconsin, and then I just got hired for a Division I league um, that they've got a couple of schools within sort of driving distance of here, um, and I'm super stoked about that. I've geographically I didn't expect that I'd have an opportunity to work D1 so it's a super exciting development for me this year wow you're not busy at all no 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 <laughs> sleep a ton all right so now comes to the point in the podcast we always ask everyone this question um which Andersonville business would you like to trade places with and why Ooh, I would love to work out of Jameson Loves Danger big animal lover and I just want to see all the puppies coming in and out all day long so I've been wanting to get a dog again for 10 years and it's just not happened so if I could steal some puppy kisses in there for a day I would do it in a heartbeat answer. well especially when you get the co-work space up and running you just need to have a co-work dog oh yeah yeah around. there will be a shop dog <laughs> yeah yeah my dog will basically live there well, thank you, Jill, for joining us. And thank you for listening to Always Andersonville, the podcast. For more information about Grapeseed Designs, please visit grapeseeddesigns.com. And for more information about Avel Cowork and to get in touch with Jill about connecting with this new community coming to Andersonville, please find her again on Instagram at avel.cowork. For show notes on today's episode, please visit andersonville.org. Always Andersonville, the podcast, is produced by the Andersonville Chamber of Commerce. Find episodes streaming weekly on iTunes and Podbean with show notes available at andersonville.org. 